Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Tommy, uh, here's a question for you uh, that I've been pondering for the last week and a half. Why do people hate electric cars? Well, I'm not sure everybody hates electric cars. Yeah, but uh, a <laughs> lot of people really hate electric cars. So in this podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about all the hate and all the love that electric vehicles get. Uh, and you might be wondering, well, Roman, that's political. And you always say that at TFL, we don't do cars we do cars and trucks, not politics, which is absolutely true. So we're going to get the politics out of the way. But what I'm more interested in is actually the technology of electric cars. So we're going to go through, I think, Tommy, kind of a checklist of what's good and bad about electric cars. And then maybe we could, at the end, figure out, not from a political standpoint, but from a pure technology standpoint, if electric cars are good or bad or both. Well, I think we're also going to talk about some other stuff in today's podcast, like the future of off-roaders tied into the EV conversation, some of the cool cars we've driven, and some news of the week. All right, that is coming up right now. So let's roll the music and let's start the show, Matt. Welcome to TFL Talk, the official podcast of TFL Studios, where we talk about the best, and yes, even sometimes the worst new cars. We talk about the coolest and sometimes the least uncool old cars. And of course, we give you an insider's view of all things automotive. And hopefully we do it having fun and sometimes arguing. So if you're driving, keep driving. And if you're not, why not? All right, Tommy, as you know, um, you did a video that got almost 2 million views. Uh, you want to tell us about that video? I know this is kind of in the truck world, but it also applies to cars. So we're going to talk about the video, nevertheless, on talking cars. Andre and I took two trucks with two identical trailers, which was a lot of work. And a huge thank you to Complete Trailers for making that happen. But we took a GMC Sierra with a 6.2 liter V8 and then the new electric F-150 Lightning. And we towed two trailers on a little mini road trip to see how far they would go on a single tank and a single charge. And what happened? 
Well, we only made it about 86 miles until we had to charge up the F-150 Lightning, and that was uh, with 9% remaining in the battery, so not quite completely empty, but basically the usable range towing this trailer, right around 100 miles, whereas Andre drove there and back, we did a little loop style, he drove 150 some miles and still had a quarter take left, and obviously we talked about recharge time, I was waiting at that charger for 45 minutes, Andre could refill that gas truck in roughly 3 to 5 minutes, right? And we published the video, and I'm happy to say it did very, very well, all thanks to everybody watching, that was a fun video to make. It was a big effort. Yeah, but what's more interesting is like the amount of hate that the truck got uh, because it was only able to tow, let's let's be generous, 100 miles with a 6,000-pound trailer. So some of the comments are uh, pretty enjoyable and pretty fun. Uh, for instance, enjoy the Lightning City Boys, which is ironic because we own a ranch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but let's be honest, we're, we're, we're city folk here. Have you seen the shoes I'm wearing? Look at those Converse. Those are not country are, are folk those, shoes. Are, are those city folk shoes, Tommy? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm just reading the comments right now on my phone. EVs suck. Uh, time is money, and my time is worth more because obviously they're referring to the fact that it took a long time to recharge the lightning. Um, there's a lot of love for the Sierra and a lot of hate. Uh, this guy says, Breitbart News picked up your video, congrats. So a lot of uh, the conservative media picked it up to prove that uh, uh, electric vehicles are not uh, ready for prime time. Uh, uh, the electric vehicle will only make it to the grocery store and back if the store is closed. <laughs> I mean, it's just hilarious the amount of uh, comments here that people uh, have put up there. Uh, and. It became kind of a video uh, as a poster child. EVs are a scam. I'm like going through this bull, you know what? Um, uh, just uh, take a covered wagon. <laughs> Regressive liberal policies sending us back to the dark ages. So uh, if you guys want to read those comments, go check out that video. But uh, you know what, what I think is important here is um, that um, you know, this video was used by a lot of conservative media to prove that uh, electric vehicles aren't ready for prime time, you know, that, that uh, they're no good. Uh, and I understand that, right? I think a lot of people feel, and we're, this is where we're going to get the politics out of the way, right? I think a lot of people feel that um, electric vehicles are being uh, foisted on them, right? They like their diesel trucks. They like their regular trucks. They don't understand why we have to switch to electric trucks, and they feel like they're being given no choice. And when you've back people into a corner, then obviously uh, the very first emotion you're going to get is knock it off, and I completely get that. Uh, uh, so it's become kind of a litmus test as to whether you know, you're know you conservative or Republican, I mean conservative or Democratic. Uh, it's become like a mask, it's become you know a contentious point of of pride. If you hate electric trucks, that means that you know you don't believe in global warming or climate change. And if you do love electric vehicles, it means that you're trying to save the earth, yada, yada, yada. You understand the two arguments. But uh, that's not what I want to talk about, Tommy. What I want to talk about is the technology, right? Because I'm sure when we went from horse and buggy uh, to internal combustion, there were a lot of people who also felt that, you know, we were taking a huge step back because there were a lot of businesses that were tied to I'm sure feeding horses and building buggies, right? So it meant a pretty substantial upheaval uh, in terms of the way that the business was being done. And there's a lot of people that, that lose and there's a lot of people that win. So uh, I think that's all fair, but let's talk about the tech. Are you good with that? Yeah, I think it's interesting that 
that it's become politicized in the first place because <laughs> and what you're dealing with at the end of the day is just different technologies to propel your vehicle down the road and how that has turned into this huge life view changing aspect on <laughs> what you believe and what you don't believe. It's, I mean, it really has become the, the poster child of kind of where we're sitting at in our, in our society and it's just too much. Um, so yeah, I, think, I think that's fair. So let, let's start with a little bit of history, right? Uh, electric vehicles aren't new. I mean, once upon a time, there was a horse race between electric vehicles, internal combustion vehicles, steam-powered vehicles, right? Sure. Uh, and uh, those were the three main contenders. Uh, and out of those three, the one that won was the internal combustion engine. Although, arguably, it shouldn't have because for a long time, the electric vehicle was in the lead by a pretty big margin. And I saw this really cool map from the early 20th century of Chicago that laid out all the charging stations throughout Chicago. And there were a huge number of them and it was very cool to see that that back in the day right they were seriously considering EVs as a, as a viable source to kind of get you from point A to point B well I think I was watching some history shows about the early electric vehicles and they were actually sold uh, more to women than men because unlike steam engines right which were dirty loud and potentially uh, dangerous right, because they could blow up. And unlike internal combustion engines, which were dirty, loud, and dangerous because they could potentially blow up, EVs were seen as kind of a clean technology where, you know, uh, you could drive it uh, without having a, a lot of uh, mechanical knowledge. Uh, now, um, another fact that people tend to forget when they have this argument is, um, you know, this goes back to the charging stations that you were talking about. When the Model T was first introduced, there were no gas stations, Tommy. <laughs> I mean, people, you know, filled up their Model Ts at their farm because they had tractors, but the Model T uh, came well ahead of the gas station in most parts of America. And I think in a lot of instances, you would go to, like, your local depot to pick up fuel, right? Or your local hardware stores. Wherever you buy your fuel for your tractor or whatever is where you get it for your car as well. It's a great point, which is interesting. But ultimately, the internal combustion engine did win out. Gas stations became more prevalent. Um, internal combustion technology advanced at a very rapid rate from the early 20th century through the mid 20th century, and electric technologies kind of faded into the background until the 1970s. Yeah, yeah, and that's when uh, there was a kind of a resurgence uh, of electric vehicles. Of course, um, there's a bunch of like uh, uh, cottage industry companies that came out and built electric vehicles using lead-acid batteries. And just going back uh, in time, I think one of the reasons that the internal combustion engine went out over electrification was the battery tech back in the 1900s was pretty ancient. Yeah, it was pretty poor. Right, I mean, you would not get more than, you know, 10 miles of range on an electric vehicle or 20 miles of range, right? It was, it, it was... Um, it was that bad. Uh, and, and, and just in terms of, you know, the physics of it, um, gasoline has a lot more caloric value uh, than a battery can store. So the, the math is out, actually pretty common and pretty out there. Uh, and so we, we have purchased a Lightning. It's got 131 hour kilowatt, 31 kilowatt hour battery, right? Uh, and when you do the math, that's about equivalent to four gallons of gas in terms of caloric value. But I have to say, that's a, <laughs> that's a statistic that really bugs me. Right. Because that is one thing that is very important, obviously, right? 
But if you look at the physics of an electric motor versus the physics of an internal combustion engine, electric motors don't spend all their time wasting energy in the form of heat. Yeah, that, so that's one so thing. So if you look at like an efficiency table, um, gasoline engines, it's astronomical. It's something like 80% of the energy from gasoline is actually used to just generate, create gen heat. Yeah. Generate heat. So while gasoline has a lot more caloric value, right, a lot more pot potential energy. Yeah, the vast majority of it is being wasted. Wasted, in, yeah, on, on actually creating heat. Which then you have to cool off because you can't just, yeah. You can't, yeah, you can't just create all that heat and not have things fail yep. under the hood. Uh, so I think from an efficiency standpoint, um, the, the 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 argument and the win in terms of technology has to go to the electric well, motor, which is which is when you think about it, pretty amazing that that lightning was able to tow a six thousand pound trailer, uh, you know, almost a hundred miles on what would be the equivalent of four gallons of gas. Well, let's keep keep going with the history. So in the nineteen seventies, yes. um, America was plunged into the fuel crisis. Yes, there was a whole OPEC. Um, situation, right? Oil embargoes. And, and basically what ended up were huge lines across the U.S. and huge increases in um, fuel prices, but more importantly, fuel rationing. So you had a lot of 70s American cars, which were these big 19 feet behemoths that were getting, you know, 13, 14, 15 miles per gallon. And in some cases, you could only fill a few gallons up at a time and there were fights breaking out. And it was, a, I just read a long history about it. It was a super interesting time. I'd love to have witnessed it <laughs> because it sounds like the I wild was alive West. during those times. It wasn't that interesting but well, you yeah but you were just a little a wee lad I was in the guy, 70s but it was no fun so the result of that though is folks started looking at alternatives to gasoline and you ended up with like you said these cottage industries coming up with alternatives and <laughs> to some extent pretty successful alternatives so one of the most famous is this model called the city car which was this small it's a two-seater car, which looks like a block of cheese. Yeah, it's a wedge. It's a perfect triangle. It used lead-acid batteries, which lived in the bumper, believe it or not, and then some inside. And it, you know, I think it went like 40, 50 miles on a single charge at a top speed of 45, 50 miles an hour. Yeah, so let's define lead-acid. We're talking about basic 12 volts that you would put under the hood of any car. Yeah. To start the car, right? The kind you get at the Pep Brothers or... Pep Brothers. Pep, Pep Boys. <laughs> Pep or, Brothers. Or, hey, you just said feet instead of foot, so... Uh, I know, before, I know. Before you start tearing into I me. just like Pep Brothers. I think yeah. that that's like the uh, uh -huh. the store brand version of Pep Boys. Um, but no, you're right, exactly. Although a lot of instances they use like six volt batteries, more like golf cart batteries, right? right. That, that can kind of have deeper charge cycles. But yeah, so there were these little city, uh, little little companies called City Car. There was that Denver company, do you remember? Yeah, and there's a YouTube channel that's actually trying to bring one of those things back to yeah, life. Yeah, and then that was more, I think, late 70s, early 80s. And uh, that was a, an interesting time. And what I think is crazy, this is how desperate America was at the time. That little city car, that little wedge of cheese, actually sold in surprising numbers for what it was. Uh, I think it was in the thousands even. They sold thousands of these little little triangles. Now, I, I know you love classics, but let's leave that to the dustbin of history, Tommy. Well, a lot of these things did not succeed, and uh, for obvious reasons, uh, they were poorly built. They didn't have enough range. Oh yeah, they were. It took bad. forever to recharge, and uh, it wasn't until GM, GM came along with the EV1 that things actually got interesting. So yeah, so in the 70s, even the major manufacturers experimented with it, and there were electric concepts of popular cars, right. but they never really went anywhere. And then in the 1990s, we did see an actual attempt at creating electrics that were sold or at least leased to the public. And there are three kind of iconic examples. So there was the uh, Toyota RAV4 EV, which is a vehicle that was sold. I actually know a guy who's got two of them in Boulder, still original. Um, uh, the, the GM EV1, and then you had a couple of other kind of niche market ones. You had like the Ford Ranger electric, and I think there was a... Um, 
uh, the GM small, like S10 version, which was electric too. But I think a lot of that was driven by carb, right? And maybe this is where the electric vehicle started to get politicized. A lot of the first early attempts were driven by um, California, California legislation, right? And a push toward more sustainable transportation. Well, also the thing that happened in the 70s was Earth Day happened, right? Well, this is, I, think, I think people forget that, that California was, um, especially Los Angeles, was unlivable. Uh, there was so much... Uh, smog. Smog uh, that you wouldn't even... You'd, I mean, seeing the mountains was... Never a thing you would do in the 70s in California. Thank goodness for the catalytic converter. Right, we were we were quickly poisoning ourselves on this earth, and there was a realization that that we you know can't just keep dumping. And it's not just about carbon; it's about everything else that comes out of a tailpipe, right? And do it do it tens or hundreds of millions of times every time you start up a car, uh, and then live in a place where you can actually breathe. The two don't go along. And so I think there was this realization that we needed a cleaner technology that allowed us to keep the freedom that a car affords, but at the same time, do it in such a way where we don't kill ourselves. Yeah, and then by the 1990s, the realization of that was those models, like the, the RAV4 EV, the GM EV1. And, and these were actually, we should mention, these were not just some home-baked things, right? You had millions and millions and millions of dollars between behind the, the Toyota and especially the EV1. And there's a great documentary series called Who Killed the Electric Car? Um, there's, I think it's a two-parter now. There's actually a first one and a second one. But really fantastic about the history of the EV1 and what happened there. But long story short, all of those uh, ma relatively mass-produced vehicles from the 90s quickly died. And we were left with basically the same automotive landscape in the early 2000s. And there was a lot of, let's face it, there was a lot of pressure from big oil uh, to, to, to kill those things. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know, just as GM killed uh, mass transportation, in Detroit, right, GM basically killed the uh, electric trolleys that used to run around mm -hmm. Detroit in favor of the internal combustion bus. Like I said, there was a lot of money at stake, and uh, there were certainly vested interests to keep the landscape the way it was. Because if you go in a very broad way from internal combustion to electrification, you're basically shifting a lot of money from um, oil companies to utilities to some way, right? Because the utility becomes the company that then, uh, you know, benefits from that versus the oil company, which is selling less oil. And, and let's face it, Tommy, if all of a sudden everybody today started driving electric cars, the gas station would be dead, right? So all those all those companies that make money selling oil to us would, would see their profits severely decline, if not, you know, wither to nothing. So, so I, I think you have to understand kind of the, the, the geopolitical push to keep the internal combustion engine going, uh, because a lot of people are making a lot of money uh, with the current state of affairs, and that includes the car companies, right? That's why the car companies, uh, you know, are dragging their feet uh, in terms of electrification, because they're really good at building internal combustion engines. They know the business model for that. Uh, and then changing to electrification is very scary, I think, for a lot of car companies. Now, I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't. I'm just saying that's the reality of it. Yep. So by the early 2000s, EV was basically dead again, and then it was revived in the, uh, the late 2000s by a company called Tesla that came out with the Roadster, um, which was the, the Lotus-based sports car but it had a real range, finally an EV with over like 200 miles of actual range. It was insanely quick. And then we saw the introduction of the Nissan Leaf, which was kind of the very first mass 
attempt at an EV that was going to be in huge volume. Uh, that was like 2010, 2011, and then the Model S, and then now we're basically here, and there was some compliance things with CARB once again. Well, let's, let's define cars. CARB. So CARB is a California Air Research Board, and they mandate, this is where people who don't like electric cars get um, certainly uh, worried because they mandate a certain uh, fuel economy numbers. And one mm. of the things that they started mandating was that a certain percentage of cars sold in California had to be electric. So we saw the emergence of what we call compliance cars, which are these uh, vehicles which are basically to satisfy those requirements. So vehicles like the Fiat 500e, um, Soul EV, Soul EV, just a, the Chevy Spark EV. <coughs> we right? bought a lot of them. And they are basically gas cars that were converted to electric and great values, but not that impressive, and typically I think, about 80 miles of range. I think those cars, and, and to be fair, I think also the LEAF set back uh, electrification as a technology because uh, what they had was all of the downside to electric vehicles with none of the upside. So what I mean by that is very limited range, less than 100 miles, and long recharge times with no potential upside uh, in terms of either like speed or uh, quality of um, drive because it's very different. For those of you, you know, one of the things that I, I sense from those comments is that a lot of people who are anti-electric car have never actually driven an electric car. Um, or if they have, they've never actually spent and lived with one uh, because uh, they, it's a very different driving experience from an internal combustion engine car. Uh, and, and I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worth. I'm just saying it's very different. It's much more left brain than right brain. It's much more techy than like emotional. Uh, and these are things that I think people sometimes don't take into account when they think about what it's like to own and drive an electric car. And there's a lot of people who are left brain, and there are a lot of people who are right brain. I think so you're being a little harsh on the compliance cars because they did offer a lot of benefits, right? If you had a short commute, they were perfect. Yeah, they were cheap. They I'll were cheap. That, uh, they I'll never broke. That. Very reliable. The batteries actually turned out to be pretty robust over the long term, which was good. And you could fill them up for pennies on the dollar uh, so on the home one, electricity. So the ones we owned, I pretty much hated. Yeah, every, every single one of them. Because you're one of these folks, which is very valid, who thinks you need more range than you really do. No, I don't think I need more range. I know. So from to Boulder to Longmont, it's like what, 15 miles? Yeah. So to drive, and, and like that Sparky V we had, I would drive from here, I would drive up there, I would drive back here, and I'd have like 10 miles of range left. No, the thing would do 75 no, miles I would, charge. I'd have I, like 10 miles. I drove it. But the thing is, it's a perception. Cause you it's see, not a perception, yeah, it's a reality. You see that battery indicator read 25 miles of range, and you start getting real worried. Yeah, 25 I, miles will take you a long way. As you should be, because if you're stranded... You know, on a highway with no power, it's not like you're going to, you know, get a can of gas and throw it in there and, and drive it to the next gas station. Look, Tommy, you, you, are, you are calling a tow truck and you are whatever precarious position that thing left you and you are stuck in that. Did you ever get stranded? No, I never because, had to rescue you. No, because I, I never wanted to drive those cars. And I think a lot of people are like that. You sure. Can't, you can't come from a technology where you can basically fill it up yeah. in two minutes on every street corner to one where... You know, you have to sit and wait uh, and then get barely enough range to actually make it, you know, to the next city and back uh, and, and call that a win. I'm sorry. that I think that, that and especially the LEAF, because the LEAF had that same problems, just set electric cars back because it, they didn't put their best foot forward. And, and, and it's worse than that, right? Because those were the so-called affordable electric cars, right? Tesla had a car that had range, but when the Roadster came out, if you recall, they were $150,000, Tommy. That that even makes things worse because if you're like the normal, if you're a normal Joe, let's say, and you're out there like, hey, you know, I'm having a hard time feeding my family or paying my rent, uh, and then you're forced, which 
is what you feel like you're being forced to buy an electric car that barely gets enough range for you to you know spend one day driving it and then all the cool kids in town are buying $150,000 and I, what I mean by all the cool kids in town I mean all the Silicon Valley folks are buying $150,000 electric cars and, and talking about how great they are uh, it does not it does not do much for the image of the electric car it doesn't okay um now, I, think, I still think they're cool because I'm a weird nerd and I well, like... Well, I want to talk... Yeah, I'm not saying they're not cool. I'm just saying that it, that, that kind of rollout where the, where the everyday car became a, a kind of a, 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 just a poster child for all that's wrong with electrifications and the cool electric car was $150,000. Yeah, it's a problem. Know, it, it created this dual right. perception of electric cars that, that remains to this day. Uh, and let's be honest, Tommy, nobody... Maybe GM, maybe GM has yet built an afford. Nobody has built the Model T of electric cars. I think Tesla has for a lot of ways. Tesla has not. They promised they would, but every they're very sneaky, right? Every two months they up the price of the uh, you know Model Three or the Model Y to such a point where it's no longer affordable. And Tesla promised to build a rear-wheel drive affordable Model Three. They built like four of them and then gave up on it. Yeah, that's a problem. But the Model 3 launched in 2018, really popular car, kind of started the new age of EVs, right? That We saw a lot of other OEMs putting serious efforts in with long-range EVs. Now you've got the Volkswagen ID4, you've got the Hyundai Ioniq 5. And, and none of these cars are below 50,000. Yes, they are. No, in real world well, numbers are so not. an Ioniq starts in 30... 39, 40? Yes, but nobody is selling, nobody's selling those. The, 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 one, first of all, the car manufacturers aren't building those because they make a lot more money on the more expensive ones. And then because of the weird situation we're, right at, we're in right now, dealers are actually taking those that, that could be potentially affordable and you know adding market adjustments to them, making them unaffordable. So realistically, if you want to get into an electric car today that's any good, right, you're going to be looking at probably $50,000, with the exception of the Leaf, which, you know, has already, the Leaf's reputation is, is burned. Uh, it, it had, you know, bad battery tech from the get-go. Uh, it still has bad battery tech. You know, they're still not climate controlling their batteries. Uh, the only, only potential affordable uh, electric car out there is the Chevy Bolt with mm-hmm. a B, uh, but they, made, they built this little tiny, you know, like run around that, that, that is just, it's like the Chevette of, of the electric car world. It's, it's electric, but it's by far desirable. It's not desirable or cool or, you know, like. It's a little harsh to say it's a it's, Chevette of the electric car world. Chevettes is, would rust out if you looked yeah, at I mean, them. It, Size wise, it is. <laughs> it's much bigger than a Chevette. <laughs> Chevettes uh, were horrible little cars, Dad. That's a pretty mean thing you just said. Um, they were very unsafe, <coughs> extremely unreliable, and would rust out at the slight glints of moisture. I mean, I'm, I'm, look, I'm just, uh, you know, you look at, I'm just looking at the products that the manufacturer builds, right? So it sounds so like... The, the product, the product that, that Chevy and GM are building right now is a Hummer EV that's $112,000. Now, I'm just that, going to That's be the one that's like, you know... Completely frank with you, Dad. Yeah. If you are a new listener, welcome. Yeah. But it sounds like you hate electric cars. You've been very cynical. So let's hear some of your no, perspective. I'm trying, I'm, no, I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of people who made all those comments. Okay. And, and, and kind of trying to walk a mile in their shoes to see why I feel like these vehicles are not for me. Now, here's the thing, because we're going to split up here. And I know we're going to split up here because we had this argument time and time again. I, I think electric cars have a place in in society. I really do. Now, I completely agree the new ones are just too expensive. The barrier of entry is very high. But if you can afford a used one, 
now because gas is expensive it'll be more like 20 but like bmw i3s fantastic cars i think all the compliance things great city commuters if you could have a car like this where you can commute to and from work um, but have a backup gasoline car for your long trips i think that's a really smart move because you can fill up an electric car in a lot of cases for a couple bucks under two bucks depending on how much you pay for electricity at home now where i know we're going to split up is on the case of the f-150 lightning because the folks commenting on that lightning are looking at the truck as a truck and i don't think if i were to buy a truck today i'd buy an electric truck because of what we learned in that video now when your truck is not towing that that lightning is fantastic i mean you can easily <coughs> get 250 280 miles of range realistically it's fantastic but i think people that are buying trucks those commenters are looking at it as a way to tow their their, their trailer they're looking at it as a tool or as a as a way to go camping and i think if you're looking at it like that it doesn't make any sense to go electric so, I mean, a, a truck has to do three things, right? Um, there's three main use case scenarios for a truck. It's a tool, mm -hmm. and when it's a tool, then you've got to haul and you've got to tow. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, hauling is, in, in the testing we've done, isn't really affect uh, electric range, unless, unless you're hauling something that sticks out way above the bed and then you're creating more drag, then it does affect. But weight itself doesn't necessarily affect range. Sure, yeah. Um, the other thing it has to do is it has to be a, like a vehicle, right? You have to be able to drive and use it to move your family, use it to, you know, go get ice cream. Uh, and in that use case scenario, uh, an electric lightning is just about as good as an F-150. Sure. Um, where it does fall down uh, is long distance towing. Now, there's two kinds of towing. There's in-town towing. So if you're a landscaper and you've got, let's say, uh, you know, a lawnmower or a lawn equipment, you're moving around town and you're driving 100, 150 miles a day, you're going to be fine, right? It's when you hook it up to a big brick in the wind, arrow diminishing um, trailer that you're going to really lose the range. But reading those comments, and I'm, I'm going I'm to put it on the other hat, I felt like those people were being extremely unfair. I felt like, you know, even that city boys, like somehow, like all people do in Texas is, you know, tow a 6,000 pound trailer to lunch, to church, to work, right? This is not all the trucks do. And I think they also completely ignored the upside to the electric vehicle, right? Uh, and in Texas, you, you, you should, if you do this, you should be doing it uh, at your own uh, peril uh, because the coolest thing I think about, there's two really cool things about the F-150 Lightning. For me, one of the coolest things is it can power your house. Uh, let's put that, let's put some numbers on it, right? So the average house in America uses 29 kilowatt hours a day, and that includes everything, uh, air conditioning, oven, heater, whatever it is. And the Lightning has a 131 kilowatt hour battery. So if you plug that vehicle, and it's not cheap to do that, it's thousands of dollars to, to put in an inverter in your house, but if you plug that vehicle into your house and take your house off the grid, you're gonna get four days in a typical American house of being able to power your house. If the truck is fully charged. Now, if you wanted to do that with a Tesla Powerwall, a 10 kilowatt hour Powerwall costs $10,000. So to get 130 kilowatt hours of storage, you'd pay $130,000. So from a battery standpoint, not only is it a bargain, it's also a bargain you can drive. Uh, and I think people are completely ignoring that use case scenario. And like I say, in Texas, which has, I think, arguably the country's worst and least, uh, most deregulated and least uh, uh, reliable power grid, you know, you're doing that at your own peril, and you're being you're being you're being silly, and I think you're being short-sighted because that lightning can solve a significant problem you can have in Texas. That's number one. 
Well, that's the biggest. And yet, let's pause for number one because okay. I completely agree. I mean, that's an amazing feature of an electric truck. But you also have to look at the flip side of it. If the power grid's down. You need to charge up your truck to go somewhere. You're not charging up that truck. It's so, a problem. You know, so, that is a problem. So let, let, that's a perfect segue to the second part, right? Um, you know, one of the things I love about America, uh, and I think this is a very American, I'm not even going to say conservative or democratic, it's a very American uh, thing is self-sufficiency and self-reliance. And electric vehicles allow you to do that. And I think this is the thing that all of those people are missing, right? They think that it's a bunch of greeny weenies who are trying to force them to be environmentally uh, efficient or uh, you know have a less impact on the environment. What I love about the truck uh, is that it allows me to be self-sufficient from you know big oil and big electricity because what you can do with an electric truck is you can especially the lightning you can't do it with any other vehicle right now but with that ability to both charge the truck and then to power your home you can build a system out which is going to be expensive i'm not saying it's cheap but you could build a system out where you can completely take your house off the grid and use the truck and solar panels on your house to live completely off the grid uh, and be completely self-sufficient. And even if you don't want to go to the trouble of doing that, right? So let's say you, 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 that's too expensive, which you can because you need solar panels and then the, then the lightning becomes your storage unit, it becomes your, your power wall. You still have with any electric car the ability to use your house as a gas station, which I think is absolutely brilliant, right? You never have to go into a gas station ever again unless you're potentially road tripping. You can go every day you come home, you plug it in, you charge it up, and you drive it around the next day. And if you've got 300 miles of range, you do that every three or four days, and you never touch a gas station. And I love that because it makes me much more self-sufficient and keeps me away from having to depend on uh, oil. And, and the thing that, that, like, let's say if you're a prepper, right, and you're like, well, I don't want to have to depend on oil because, you know, at some point that can be shut off, just as electricity can be shut off, right? You can always generate electricity using wind, solar, uh, water, oil, right, you have to actually go and drill, which is undoable for a normal human being. You have to process it. And then even if you store it, it goes bad, right? So if, if you want to keep oil, it doesn't work. Our gasoline goes bad after a few years. Not so, diesel. Diesel's good at holding. Diesel stays, stays better for longer, but it eventually will also go bad. It, what happens with diesel is it gets fungus. So I, <laughs> It does. It's crazy. This is the thing that... I mean, here's 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 my I got so, a lot of a lot of things to say here. Okay. So you complain that we don't have enough cheap electric cars, and you're going to spend fifty grand for an electric car. Outfitting your house with solar and a transfer switch that could easily be fifty k. Easily. I mean, just a transfer switch that we got quoted at our house was ten thousand, and then the electrician said I probably wouldn't do it because your house wasn't wired properly. Um, no, that's a that's a pretty big. That's just ten thousand for just the switch. That's not even the solar panel installed, which could easily be forty, fifty thousand dollars, and then add the price of a lightning, which realistically starts at. It's, it's funny P people find. Fifty thousand. It's funny people find money for stuff that they believe in or things that they want to spend. Yeah, money but on. that's a lot of money. I can find a hundred bucks to spend on something I want. I can't how, how find much is, fifty thousand. How much 000. is an AR fifteen and all that? Not fifty thousand. It's it's not it's cheap. Not Tommy. fifty and how, grand. how much is one of those like barrels full of survival, dry, de dehydrated food? Those not are, fifty thousand. No, Tommy, those are thousands of. Dollars. Too. All I'm saying is people find money for the stuff that they want. That fifty thousand dollars is wait, wait, you're also you're also hang on, it's more than the average American makes an entire year Tommy, just for solar panels. You're also being a little uh, like like way off the 
off the continuum. So uh, we just talked. We just talked to Sunrun about taking our ranch house, which is a fifteen hundred square foot home, right, and putting in an inverter. You know how much they want for that? How much? Two thousand. That's great. That's fantastic. Two thousand dollars, and that that. $2, but what about for the panels? That's two, that's it. Two thousand dollars for the inverter. It, that, that's but we don't. We need the panels if you want to go off the grid. I'm not saying off the grid. I'm saying two thousand dollars to plug in that. We bought the charger, which was twelve hundred dollars for the lightning, yeah. which lets you charge the lightning or oh, reverse sure. it. And it's two thousand dollars for the inverter, which includes installation. So for the cost of basically three and a half thousand dollars, we can use that truck, and we will do this as a way to power the house that we have, a fifteen hundred square foot home. But you're still on the grid. But I'm yeah. saying if you want to, like you were claiming you want to go off the grid, like a prepper. You need to install solar but I'm saying, panels. I'm saying that, no, that allows me to power the house from the lightning. For three days. Four days. Yeah, and then you have to go back on the grid. Yeah, but most blackouts so are rolling. Yeah, but you're saying Ford the argument out. you were making earlier, very clearly, is the pro of it. You well, can I'm go completely self sustained To put in solar panels, uh, yes, of course, it's going to be a lot more expensive. But for the cost of $3,000, you know, that, that's an AR-15. That's a, a, uh, sure. that's, a, that's, that's a survival bucket. But you're of not off the grid. You're, you're not off the grid. You're just allowing backup power, which is great. I think that's fantastic. But it still is not off the grid. If you want to go off the grid, you've got to spend a lot well, of money on it's, panels. It's off the grid for And the other thing, too, is, I mean, the other argument you could make for, say, say you get a, a, a cheaper set of solar panels. It's $15,000, dollars $25,000. For $20,000, I can buy a lot of diesel. That's a lot of diesel I can buy to propel my vehicle for until a heck of a long until time. you can't. Well, I think, don't think diesel's going anywhere anytime I'm soon. I'm just saying until you can't. Uh, that's the way pe- that's the way a lot of people think. You could buy a lot of diesel until you can't. Well, why why couldn't I? If if you can't buy diesel, then the country's going to shut down because there's not going to be any trucking. And that's what preppers do. That's that's what they're sure. that's what that's the moment in time they're waiting for. That's why I said until you can't. And people believe that. We're heading in that direction right now. Well, if we head in that direction, we got bigger problems than driving around. Right? We're not going to have food to eat. Yes, but that's, once again, now we're going down the prepper route. This is exactly what people are thinking. People, That's what a prepper is. You're preparing for the time when it all goes to hell. So you, you, you can be self-sufficient and you can defend the stuff that you have. If I'm going to be a prepper, I'm going to buy an old Mercedes diesel and then I can grow my own full fuel. Which is you could, be, yeah. You could. That's, it's going to be could. much better than, than relying on $40,000 for the solar. But, but look, gas is gone, you know. Finally, that, finally, it's gone down. Let's be, let's take the prepper out of it because I think we both agree that's kind of the fringe minority here. Gas and diesel. No, no. But I was I was transitioning. So, okay. So let me transition. I, I I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, it's not so, going anywhere anytime soon. So so gas is finally gone below hundred dollars a barrel. So let's talk about the other thing that 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 is wonderful about electricity. Electricity. It's it's just a lot cheaper. Sure. That's I great. mean I mean a lot lot cheaper. So let's talk about let's put some numbers behind that and we can talk about how much it costs to charge at home, how much it costs to charge at a public uh, you know uh, charging station and how much it costs uh, to uh, charge or to fill up a car. So let's say that fuel in Colorado is five dollars a gallon, right? So the average fill up, I just filled up the ZR2, was a, it was almost empty. Uh, I put it at $108. All right, pause. Yes. Let's do a little bit of math. Yeah, let's do uh, the math. Let, let, so say you want to go 250 miles, okay. and your vehicle gets 15 miles per gallon. Let's so, be generous. Hang on. Let's just, let's just do 15, because that, that's pretty good. Do you want to do 20? Yeah. All right, so say your, your truck gets 20 miles per gallon. I think that's fair. And you go 250 miles. So 250 miles divided by... Um, 20 miles per gallon. So you use 12 and a half gallons to go 20 miles, or to go 250 miles. So 12.5. Now say gas is five dollars a gallon, which, which it is. Right. So let's multiply that times five. So those 250 miles would cost you 62 dollars and fifty cents. Right? 
Right. Got that in your head? I got that. In so mind. let's go ahead and, and let, let's use the lightning, right? So say um, on the lightning, you go 250 miles. The, the truck averages two miles per kilowatt hour. Yes. So we're going to go 250 divided by two miles per kilowatt hour. You used 125 kilowatt hours to go 250 miles. Make sense? And at 43 cents a kilowatt hour. How that's you, way too expensive. That's how much you're going to pay at, a, at Electrify America but let, if you're not a member. Yeah, so let, let's, the, let's, I, let's... I don't let, want to confuse people. Let's, let's say you're charging at home. No, let's let's do all those. Let's let's just give them okay. the... Okay, well, let, let's do best case and worst case. I'm going to do best case first. No, so do worst case. I'm going to do best case first. So 125 kilowatt hours, and at home we pay 13 cents per kilowatt hour. That would be $16 to drive 250 miles. Versus? Uh, 62.50. Okay. $62.50. All right, now let's go worst case. Which so is worst case cents. is an Electrify America. Let's say you're paying 43 yeah. So 125 times 0. .43, $53. So, so even the worst case yeah, but that's, is better than the... Than, it's than, not a lot better. Yeah, but that's that's the very, very worst case and because you're not a member and you're paying an outrageous amount. Now, if you are, if you are regularly fast-charging your electric vehicle, don't buy an electric vehicle. It's not worth it. Well, how much do you save? Is it like ten cents a kilowatt hour if you remember it a year? Yeah. So it'd be thirty-three cents, right? No, it'd be one twenty-five times point three one. It'd be four about thirty-nine bucks. Here's so, the thing, so though. So about half of what you pay. How much pump. is your time worth? I mean, you, if you're going to Electrify America, you have to have a you have to do something while you're in Electrify America because it's going to take go you shopping at Walmart forty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, this is the thing. You, you just you just you just broke your own argument. If you are in a position where you do not have a place to charge at home, do not buy an electric car. It makes no sense. You're going to spend so much time waiting in Walmart parking lots. Um, you're, you're just going to hate your, your driving habits. Right, so let, 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 I mean, the greatest so, thing so about let, an electric vehicle, like you said, is you can fill it up at home. All right, so Andre and I drove the Lightning from Detroit uh, to Colorado, which was 1,300 miles, and we stopped 11 times to right. charge. 11. Yeah. Uh, and if you had a gas vehicle, you'd probably, probably do it maybe three times. Let's say, right? Yeah. 1,300 miles. You could do three times. Let's right. say getting 400 miles on a tank full. Now, uh, Andre came to me and he said, you know, I've got this uh, app that I use. I spend two hours on a better route planner to plan the route to minimize the amount of time we are going to spend charging. Mm -hmm. Right? Because you don't want to go all the way to zero. and You don't want to charge all the way 100%. There is some strategy involved here. This is what I mean. Electric cars are left brain. And if you love that, then it actually makes it fun and challenging because it, it sometimes, you know, just because things are easier doesn't mean that they're better. I think that's another misconception that people have. I remember when I moved to Prague, uh, when I went from communist to capitalist, and we had to go, like, to Germany to buy Diet Coke. You'd be like, oh, my God, you had to go to Germany? And you know what? At the end of the day, in that culture, don't, um, don't think you didn't, like, live you felt like you had lived the day because challenging things make life sometimes worth living versus being able to get anything anytime. But that's a whole different yeah, conversation. You're not pitching me on that one. I've, I well, that, you just got to live it, Tommy. It's, it's hard to explain until you live it, right? <laughs> yeah, but right. I would rather do anything to not live that life. But That's the, that's the thing. I though. mean, the, I've been watching the show called Alone, right? Where people go out and just challenge themselves to live completely you know, alone in bear infested northern Canada. Why do they do that, right? Because there is, you know, why do people do triathlons? Why do people, uh, you know, put themselves in these very difficult situations because you feel like you're living life? Sure, but anyway, that, that's elective. That's, that's a whole nother, another thing. So um, where was I going with this? I already forgot. I have no idea. What were we talking about? I have no idea. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So uh, Andre used this better route planner, and I was like, Andre, this is not how I want a road trip. 
right? I don't want to have to drive when a computer program tells me when to drive. I don't want to have to stop when a computer program tells me when to stop. I want to stop when I'm hungry. I want to drive when I'm feeling good. I want to stop when I have to pee. So he got really mad at me, and I don't blame him. Uh, but I said, you know, we're just going to wing this. Uh, and over two days, we stopped 11 times. And you know how many times we stopped out of those 11 because we had to instead of because we wanted to? How many? Once. Oh, me and you road trip very differently. Once. If I have to stop 11 times on a, on a road trip. Well, because you have to pee, you have to get lunch, you have to get dinner. But not 11 times. Well, two days. So <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's, you know, over two days, that's six stops right there. Uh, I don't know and about you want, that. And you want to, I'm not making this up. I'm telling you what happened. I know. It's I'm, just, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I'm not trying to make it, you know, better than it was. It was like, hey, I got to pee. Let's stop. Oh, let's, okay, the next Electrify America station is, you know, five minutes away or 20 minutes away. I can hold it that long let's stop there and while we pee and go look for some beef jerky plug the thing in and let it get some more power that's what we did and it turned out okay it wasn't you know by the end of it at the last um there's nothing in there's nothing in, in i hate to say this because it makes me sound like a city boy but there's not a lot of uh, places to stop in uh, uh eastern colorado so by the by the last walmart i was pretty burned out on walmarts mm. um uh, and, you know, sticking around in parking lots of Walmarts. But for the most part, it wasn't an unpleasant trip. And it took us five hours longer than it would have taken us had we had uh, uh, an internal combustion engine car. And what I, what I would say, Tommy, is, yes, time is money, but people sometimes value their time more than, you know, than the reality of the situation. So, yeah, yeah the, you know, the, sound, the fact that, you know, when I say it took us five hours longer to drive that 1,300 miles, I could see, like, people going, what the hell? There's never, I'm never going to do that. But I'm like, you know what? Sometimes life's in the journey, not in the destination. Live it. Mm-hmm. Not convinced. So what are you doing there? What are you I am about? doing something very interesting. Okay, what's that? So our editor, Grant, just yeah. drove the lightning from yeah. uh, Colorado to Sacramento. Yes. Um, and that's because we're putting a four-wheel camper on it, the whole thing. And that's part we're going of to Alaska. Yeah. our Alaska journey. So I just, I've been doing a little bit of math because the cool thing is in Electrify America, he only charged in Electrify America except for once when he charged overnight at a hotel, which was a great thing about EVs. You can charge where you're sleeping. But anyways, I have all of the data here, which I'm just adding up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about 1,100 miles, and it cost him $178.29, which is pretty darn cheap to go 1,100 miles. And that's using public charging. Um, yeah, so let me go 1100 divided by 178.29. So, um, and that was wrong. Anyways, it, it was a, it was a, it was pretty affordable, right? So how much would that cost you 1100 miles at, at uh, let's say five dollars? Okay, a so 1100 miles. That's say, being generous. Say you're getting 20 miles per gallon. Yeah. Um, so you use 55 gallons of fuel. Um, and multiply that times five bucks a gallon. Yeah, which is cheap. It's two seventy-five. So he paid. Uh, he saved about a hundred bucks. Yeah, but look at all the time he used. So he used. He spent four minutes, thirty-eight minutes charging, forty-two minutes <laughs> charging, fifty-five minutes charging, thirty-eight minutes charging, thirty-seven minutes charging, thirty-five minutes charging, and forty-two minutes charging. Divided by 60 minutes in an hour, so he spent five hours charging. Yeah, so it's pretty much the same thing that me and Andre did. It's a lot, of, it's a lot of time charging, though, don't you think, over just an 1,100-mile uh, road trip? I think people, you know, in America, you know, you, you can't stand spending three minutes more at the Starbucks because the person in front of you uh, can't decide whether they want a macchiato or a Americano, right? 
Uh, and so people here, I think, value their time probably more than it's worth, especially when I look at the fact that, you know, the average person probably spends four hours stuck a day, you know, deep into their phone looking up, you know, uh, Bernese mountain dogs that are jumping for joy because you yeah, know, their people, owner. You see what you see what I'm saying? I, it's people like, it's don't like, think like that because they want to be looking at Bernie's mountain dogs jumping. They don't want to be. But stuck why at can't a, you look at Bernie's mountain dogs jumping while you're charging? Because they don't want to be stuck at a Walmart for five hours. But you see, see what I'm saying? Sure. You see, you see, people va- somehow value their their time because because they think that it's you know they they don't look at the, the they don't look at the, the, at that reality of how they're actually spending their time versus the uh, kind of the the, the the way that they want to spend their time, right? Uh, if you see what I'm saying. I right? mean, here's the fundamental issue, Dad, with this road trip. So you save a hundred bucks, right? Yes. Um, which is which is substantial. I, yeah. I, I I'm not not saying that's not substantial, but in a in a gasoline truck, you would have used 55 gallons of gas. That's two fill-ups. If you have a 30 gallon tank, you would have been filling up for eight minutes versus 291 minutes. You also realize that gasoline is a finite resource. Why? And, and, and like my friends, this is another thing I don't quite understand, which, and I, Fred, my friend Fred is a very smart guy, and he, he makes a point which I completely agree with, which is gasoline is too valuable to burn, right? This, this, is, this is stuff that is going to run out, and you could be using it to make interesting plastic things. And what, what are you going to replace gasoline with once it's no longer there? Are you going to make interesting cars out of wood again? Right? Every, everything I, I everything in our world is made out of gasoline. So why are we burning it? Why aren't we saving it for like the stuff that, that once it's burnt, it's gone? It's, I agree. But you also have to realize gas is not going anywhere anytime soon. Oh, it, yeah, it is. It can't. It just can't. Oh, no, it is. It is because people see. Here's the other fundamental issue that people have. People can look at small things and kind of kind of in kind of compartmentize them and understand them, right? So like if if ten people are killed, people are horrified by that. But if a hundred million people are killed, that number is so big that it just stops comprehending. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You have a hard time processing that. And this is exactly what's happening with, with fuel, right? The the vast amounts of fuel and gasoline that we are burning you know, it seems like, and we're, we're, we're very sure, we've only been doing it for like 150, 200 years, right? Right. Uh, and so it's taken, you know, hundreds of millions of years for that stuff to be, you know, turned into. Millions of little tiny creatures had to die. You know, immense pressures had to be used in the earth. These are just facts, right? You, you can argue a lot of stuff, but these are simple facts that that, that, that are true, that that turned, you know, all that biomatter into gasoline. And we are using it up at an astonishing rate, at an astonishing rate. And I worry because, you know, I, I want you to have kids and I want to pass along a legacy. What's going to happen when we run out of that stuff? Yeah. I, look, is, is it worth $5, you know, to, to, to burn it versus saving it for, you know, really interesting in other uses. So that's that's one thing. I'm not, I'm not I don't even want to go into the whole carbon because that becomes too politically supercharged. So I don't want to talk about that. So let's let's not talk about that. Let's talk about another advantage of electric vehicles. Now now you know on the other side, right? The lack of maintenance. You know, I think I think it would be fair to say that most people listening to this podcast probably are are sick and tired of dealerships. Sure. Right? And the shenanigans that dealerships play, right? This is another self-sufficiency thing. You do not have to take your electric car, I think, ever to a dealership if you don't want to, because there's no oil to be changed, there's no fluids to be changed, there's you know no very few of the. If you're using one pedal driving, you're probably not going to burn through your brakes, 
right? The thing has virtually no maintenance outside of poor build quality, which is a Tesla issue. Well, I don't want to... Hmm. We've owned enough cars. I know. We've the, ne- we've, the only time we've ever taken one of our electric cars in for service, mm-hmm. and we've owned a lot of them now, right? Yeah. Has been because of poor build quality. So, not because of the routine maintenance that has to be done on internal combustion engine cars. First of all, they're not maintenance-free, right? You still have suspension bushings. You still have right, uh, stuff that, wheel bearings. They're, they're, you still have everyday stuff like oil changes, fluid changes, sure. stuff that has to be There's done. There's longer service intervals, but they're not maintenance-free. You they, still have wheel bearings that can fail. You still have CV but that, joints but that, that stuff can crack. doesn't fail until 100,000 miles. Unless your Tesla and our Model X CV joints were failing at 3,000 miles. Well, once again, poor but, build quality. But um, I, I don't want to make it seem like... And then you got this other question. Just to play devil's advocate for a second, right? Um, batteries have done a pretty good job, unless you're an early Nissan Leaf owner. Uh, I've done a good job of lasting over over time. There's a lot of Teslas with two, three, four hundred thousand miles, which are still at ninety percent of their usable usable battery life cycle. But then the question is, if your battery does fail, if if you do run out of um, uh, capacity in the battery, where does it go? There's not a lot of great battery recycling programs in place. Sure, it can go into solid-state energy for um, businesses, like industries, right? So uh, an electric vehicle with 80% of its battery life remaining is pretty useless in an EV. But 80% of a capacity for a factory that wants backup power, that's an option. But in terms of actually recycling the raw materials, there's not a lot of really great processes yeah, but in is, place is, yet. Is, is, it like, is it like the gas station issue with the Model T? When, there was, when the Model Ts came out, there were no gas stations, and eventually people figured out that there was a business to be had by building gas stations. So if there's enough batteries out there, will that create enough incentive for an industry to develop around yeah, it, uh, recycling batteries or using them? Like The thing about a battery in a car is it only has so much life as a car battery before, you know, because it, it, it takes an immense amount of power to actually move a car. But that battery is still good for a power wall, right? Let's say you lose... 20% of its capacity or 30% of its capacity, which is, which, which is what yeah. you know, a Nissan Leaf loses. That is perfectly fine for a power wall. You, right. could, you could use that battery and create a power wall out of it and have no issues. And then, of course, then there's the question of people, people are like, well, you know, I don't want to be dependent on the rare earth uh, uh, minerals that you need to create a battery. I don't want to be dependent on lithium because, you know, it's being mined. But you could say the same thing about oil, right? We recently became pretty self-sufficient on oil because uh, we did more drilling. But before then, we were, like you brought up during the oil crisis, we were completely dependent on OPEC. And when OPEC turned off the taps, it, 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 it killed our, um, it killed our um, economy. So why can't we have a more diverse uh, way of moving things and moving us around so that we're not beholden to one group of people, be it the oil industry, be it, you know, the the the, the different cultures and, and, and countries that control oil, including Russia right now, right? I mean, don't you want kind of a diverse portfolio of different technologies so that one isn't dominant and can't be shut off? I, I don't I don't know. I, these are just things that I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm speaking out loud, right? So here's where I'm at with EVs. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was playing a lot of devil's advocate. I love them. I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. I would strongly recommend buying them. Um, you know, I know we don't want to go into the whole climate thing, but it's true. Even if your EV is fueled entirely by coal, it is still much better for the planet to burn that coal at the source than in your tank. 
Um, there's just tons and tons of science. Well, I think that argument needs to be shut down immediately. Well, because because if, when you're burning oil in a car, you're basically just heating up an engine. Right. You're not and, using it to actually and even generate if you're, power. Even if your electric vehicles burn entirely by the least efficient coal plant, it is still has a net benefit for the environment versus burning and, it and, and at that, the at the the, the production and the, that was, the, the I think, transportation. I think source. the point I was trying to make was it's pretty amazing that you could tow 6,000 pounds on the equivalent of four gallons of gas. Uh, no, that was not impressive because it went 86 miles. Um, so here's the thing, but here's where I'm at. If you are a family with a multiple car situation, sell the car. Just sell the car. You're, you're just wasting gas. It's expensive. You could be filling up at home. Buy an EV. Buy a used EV um, for $20,000, $25,000. Get yourself a BMW i3. Get yourself even an old compliance car and use that as a city commuter because they're fantastic and they're fun and they're quick and they're quiet and they're better in every way than I think most uh, you know, commuter cars. It's so, just amazing. So, so, Hang on, can I finish? Yeah. But of course. for those trips with the boat to the lake long distance, for those camping trips, I would probably keep the gasoline SUV or truck in the garage. That's where I'm at right now. Because that Lightning is an amazing truck. Look, Absolutely look. love it. But it's $80,000, and it just will not tow the trailer to the places I'd want to tow it if I had a camper. So here's where I'm at, Tommy, with this. I, I think before you made up your mind because of whatever political uh, bent you have that EVs are not for you, just drive one. Uh, it's not going to be enough. Dr drive one and, and like try to live with one and, and actually figure it out for yourself. Don't, don't let the commentator on TV, don't let the podcaster, and that includes us, sway you. Just try it. See, see, see if it works for your lifestyle. I completely agree. And that's why I say get rid of the family car because it's much easier to convince someone to get rid of their kid's 2008 Camry for a, I don't know, a 2014 Focus uh, EV. Hang on, let me finish. It's much easier to convince someone to get rid of the car that they don't r rely on to get them across country than the one that's towing yeah, the camping you're, trailer. You're, you're making the car buy argument. I, I, I don't want to even talk about but the car But here's the thing. Let me, let, me, let, let me talk That now. Lightning is let realistically me, let, 60, let me, let me talk now, 60, you, 70 grand. Let me tell you what I think. The average American I, I, can't spend can I, can 60 I, or 70 just, grand on a truck. Can I tell you what I think? You're making a car buyer argument. I don't give a rat's ass about the car buyer. Well, you should, because that's people buying cars. I know, but it's, I, I don't, that doesn't interest <laughs> me, really. You know, one of the things that I think that we have this tension at CFL is some of the videos we do are for enthusiasts, some are for car buyers, but a lot of it is just stuff that I find interesting. And, you know, from a very personal standpoint, we, one of the first things we did was we took the Lightning uh, to Bandamere, which yeah. is, you know, our local quarter-mile drag strip, and it, you know, it blew away most cars that it that it lined up against. And there were two Tesla Model S plaids there that nobody would line up against. Uh, and the reason for that was because they are so freaking fast and they make speed so easy and so affordable and so attainable. If you wanted to go as quickly from zero to 60, uh, no, and a quarter mile as a Tesla Model S plaid, now we're looking at a nine and a half second car, that would not cost you 120000 You You would have to buy a dedicated dragster and then convert it into a more of a dedicated dragster to get into that nine second range you can do it you know walking off of, off the tesla showroom four-wheeler and and you know at the end of the day you could you could talk about the sound and the fury and blah 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 but you know i'm i, I like winners and if you line up against a tesla model as plaid or a lightning you're going to be a loser so and, 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 and no my argument is is at the end of the day the technology that is quicker wins in a drag race. It doesn't matter if I need to tow a trailer. I'm, I'm, but listen, <laughs> listen, 
Listen, so there are like five different use case scenarios. So, but, in a, in a, yes, in a trailer towing contest, the Ford will lose. Right. But a Bandamere, it will win. But why am I uh, buying at, a pickup truck? At the truck? wallet, it will win. Why am I buying because a pickup you, truck? Because you don't, because like I said. I'm not buying a trick or pickup truck Tom, to go fast. If I want to go fast, I'll buy a Corvette. Tommy, it's not, I'm, I'm, the reason I'm talking about a Model S Plaid is because obviously, you know, a, a the, the, the thing I think I'm walking away from that is that not only do I have a truck that does 95% of everything that a truck will do and does it better. The 60% of a truck no, will do. No, no, 90%. Towing, I think, is 40% of a full-size truck no, use no. case. Once again, Tommy, I'm sorry. You know, I have lived and breathed trucks for the last 12 years. I know a lot of truck guys and gals, and not one of them tows a 6,000-pound trailer 100% of the time doesn't with matter. their truck. Even if you tow a 6,000-pound trailer 1% of the time, that 1% is going to suck so badly, you're going to sell that truck and buy a gas truck. It's true. Wow. So so people are, are that short-sighted. Yes, that, they that, are. That, that 100%. One, one use case scenario that it's worse at, they're gonna, it's like going to toss the baby out with the bathwater because uh, I can't tow my trailer uh, across country with this truck. So even though it's cheaper to run, even though it's quicker, even though I can take a camping, I can power the whole campsite with it, which you can, even though I can take it to the work site and power the whole work site, which I can, even though I can tow a small trailer across town all day for as long as I want, which I can, even though I can take it home and power my house with it, which I can't, even though I can never have to ever go to the gas station, which I can't. All that doesn't matter because the one time I need to tow a trailer, it doesn't do it as efficiently or as well as my Cummins. So I'm sticking with the Cummins. And I may be right. Maybe Yes, maybe, I, I maybe, am right. I think maybe, I am right. Maybe people think that way. And if they do, we're in deep, you know what, as a country. I because, don't think so. Because we are, Tommy. Here's because what you're saying is your politics, right, are, are, are now ahead of where kind of your brain should no, be. No. It's like it's like you know what it's like? It's like oh, idiocracy. God, it's like it's, like it's like pouring it's like pouring Gatorade on crops. My, that, that's where that is going. My politics aren't ahead of it. My need to tow my camper to Wyoming is ahead of it. It has nothing to do with politics. It's true. I need to tow my camper to the Grand Tetons because I want to take no, the family. No, you want to tow your camper. Now. Yeah, that's true. I want to. I've been waiting. All, to. I've been waiting all year to take that family vacation. I've rented yes. my toy hauler and I can't tow my trailer to Yellowstone. Or if well, I no, do, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa! First of all, why can't you tow it to? Yellowstone? <laughs> because there's no charging in Wyoming. There's almost nothing. What? No, you can tow it. It's just going to take you a lot longer. It's right. going to be a bigger pain. So in the I've ass. got two weeks of vacation and I'm going to spend roughly three days of those waiting at Chargers. That's, no, once again, you're being, once again, you're, 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 you're being... Did you see on a two-day road trip, Grant spent five hours getting from... Yes, I, I thought we had that argument That's already. over two days with no trailer. Yes. So let's double that. So it'd be 10 hours extra charging if he was towing a camper. Yes. Let's be generous, 10 hours. Yes. Over 1,100 miles. Yes. That's pretty bad. Yes, for one for that one use case scenario. But that it's, one use case is a very worse. important... It's a full-size truck. People buy the full-size truck to tow that trailer twice. I disagree, twice Tommy. I think people, it's like, you know what it's like? I absolutely disagree. Uh, you know, people buy uh, Jeeps because they're going to go off-road, and yet 95% of people who buy Wranglers never go off-road. But it's the thought that they can. And that one time they take it off-road is that one time they're like, hell yeah, I bought the right Jeep. 100%. No, it's not even that. It's like it's like the one use case. You could take it off-road. It's just not as efficient or it's not as good off-road. Or you can take it off-road, but you can't go cross-country off-road. You know, you, it, that, that's a more equivalent argument, right? I don't think like, so. Like, it, it, does, it does tow. It just doesn't do it very well. And it costs more time and it costs more effort to Look, do it. But it, not that it doesn't another do Another great it. argument. People buy the Porsche 911 GT3 RS, which is a strict track car, and never take it to a track in a million years. But they do it because they 
know if they wanted to take uh, it to the track, they could. That uh, thing sucks on the road. Terrible uh, road car. Just uh, get a normal 911. Yeah, and that's how uh, I feel uh, about that's, EVs. Once again, that's, I think that's a bad... I think it's a it's a pretty no, good point I'm making. No. You can discount it, but maybe the viewers will agree. I think it's I think it's absolutely true. Um, no, people you know, want you know, their I'll, trucks. I'll, I'll flip that around. It would be like saying uh, I'm not going to buy a 911 because I can't take my family to church. No, because that's not the use case of a 911. The use case of a full size truck is to tow a camper. That's why Ford not, says. Tommy, well, then why not, does it no, tow ten thousand pounds? Look, in 1932. The, the, the use case of a truck was to haul crap and toast so with them. I agree. Right? That's what trucks were. They were work tools. You go to Texas, and this is happening not just in America. It's happening in Europe. Trucks are now becoming the family hauler. Sure. They're 99% yes. of the time, they're not hooked up to anything. Doesn't they're not matter. hauling anything. Listen, let me let me just be real. They're not hauling anything heavier than a, a mattress, right? Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. Maybe if you pretend that you need to take, uh, you know, a bale, a 30,000-pound you know, thing of hay across the mountains, it's not going to work. Get yourself a Cummins. Hell yeah, get yourself a Cummins. But let's be realistic, Tommy. In Texas, most people are not towing to work. They're not towing to church. They're not towing to vacation. So why Every so often, they, they will tow something. And even, look, we took a camper that was, let's face it, a brick into the wind. Maybe what we need to do is actually, let's 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 hook up that lightning to uh, a trailer and throw on some side-by-sides, right, that isn't this giant brick into the wind and see what kind of a degradation in range we get because we took the worst case scenario that we could well, on purpose. It's not a fifth wheel, and it was only 6,000 pounds. We can't do a fifth pounds. wheel with a full-size truck. Come on. But my point is, I mean, it, it was bad, but it's not the worst it's, thing it's in the world. It's about the worst because you can't do it. Once again, you don't. nobody does a fifth and wheel. And we were if, still. If you do a fifth wheel with a full-size truck, I disagree. get a heavy-duty truck. We weren't, we, we weren't worst case because there was nothing in that thing. We didn't have a family. We didn't have it loaded up. We didn't have food in it. Well, we didn't also, have the side-by-side. Side. You also were going uphill. A thousand feet of elevation. That's not a particularly difficult no. route, Dad. Four columns to Castle Rock? Wait, wait, wait. The, the, the Achilles heel, and this is true, of, of electric vehicles yeah. are hills. They really are. <laughs> yeah, they but are. That's, are. That, unfortunately, that is something cars need to traverse is hills. Right, but, what we, <laughs> but we, that, that's why the Ike is such a great towing test. But this because, wasn't the Ike. Because this we, was a thousand feet of elevation I'm just saying, Tommy, that's why... Because we live in Colorado, a lot of people oh, live in Florida. Yeah. You know, we took we, we took a jeep to the highest point in Florida. You know how how many feet of yeah, sea level it was? Like it was? 100 feet. Yeah, exactly, and that's where most people live. So right. so once again, we are at. I think the other thing that people forget, and you know, is that we are at the Model T stage. We are at electric vehicles 1.0. We are really at the Model T stage of where electric vehicles are in 100%. terms of battery, right? And so so and we are at like uh, internal combustion engine. 50.0, yeah, right? Uh-huh. And, and, and yet, with most things, except for long-distance, big-ass towing, an electric vehicle is better, yes. more fuel-efficient yes. than, than the gas equivalent yes. of it. Yes, and it's cheaper to run, and you can power your life. And so why are you, why are you like, why is everybody, like, focused on this one scenario? The only reason that, that you would do that, if you were practical about it, right, if you're, if you're like, if you're going to buy a house, right, and you want three bedrooms because you've got three kids or whatever it is and you need a yard, right? And the and the one thing that you, that you can't have in the house is a pool because you want to spend the entire summer in the pool. You say, I will not buy a house without a pool. I get that. People are like that. But it's not fair to compare that to the equivalent house and say, just because it doesn't have a pool, the other house is horrible and it's bad because then it's not your, like, your brain talking, it's your heart talking. Yeah, but this is where I think we're going to disagree because an F-150 is not missing a pool. An F-150 
needs to have a kitchen. Towing is the kitchen of a house. I disagree. It is fundamental. In, 19, in 1930, it was not today. Have you seen? Have <laughs> you have you ever been to the Colorado mountains and yes, seen Tommy, perhaps Tommy, Tommy, all trucks. the line of campers I, being towed I, by I, Silverados I, and F-150s? I have lived trucks. I know what people use them that for. It doesn't matter if 99% of the time it never tows. That's why I'm saying. Get your car to do that. Make your electric car go to church. Make your electric car go to the grocery store. Save the money there. Save the truck for towing uh, I, no, I with think gas. And I would think you're right. We're on electric. Actually, can I finish? Yeah. We're on electric technology 1.0. I wouldn't buy 1.0. I would wait for electric truck technology 3.0 to I, buy I it. Would, I'm actually in the exact opposite camp that you are. I think electric trucks are such a good use of the technology. I would rather have an internal combustion engine car. <laughs> that's well. That's uh... than an electric car. I would. I seriously would. Uh, and but I would rather have an electric truck than a regular truck because I think the truck. But uh, you case... don't. You don't tow long distance though. <laughs> yeah, you, we've never gone camping with a trailer. We don't do it. Because it's just not only we so, do. Because a truck has so many inherent advantages, and to me, the biggest one, like the killer app, like I said, is this fact that you can power your house with it and you can use your house as a gas station. I think those are just killer apps. And yes, you know where I think this is going to end up? People you know, can pass around this video and you can make your argument that because it doesn't tow, it's not ready for prime time. The second that the next power outage happens, which it will happen, and your neighbor shows up with an F-150 in an emergency and you know, plugs in their F-150 into your refrigerator and saves all that meat that you have or that you've been saving for the 4th of July and you know then that person is going to be the hero on the next vehicle you're going to buy is that F-150 Lightning. So yeah, nope, you, I, I, I promise you that is how people are because, because it is a hero truck. There's an obvious solution. You know what we need? We need a plug-in hybrid truck. A truck that will go short distances to the church, to the grocery store, electricity, but will still tow. That's what Ram is apparently working on. But will still tow long distance on gasoline. Right. That's, that's an obvious solution. That's what Ram. Right. No, it's not an obvious. The problem with a hybrid is then you're carrying along two powertrains. But I think we, we've seen this in Germany. So what happened in Germany is uh, uh, companies gave huge incentives for people to buy hybrids to electrify. Right. It's kind of the baby step toward electrification. And what ends up happening in that regard is people never end up actually using the electric part of it. They just drive it around, and then they fill it up with gas, and they drive it around, they fill it up with gas, and, they, and this is what happens in Germany. They never actually plug it in, right? People have four by E's out there that they will never plug in. Sure, and well, then, that's fine. And then you've, it's not but fine. But let them make they, the they, choice. Then you've got the, from a, like a sign, from a, like, a, like a use standpoint, you're toting around. It's the worst of both worlds. Sure. Because you're, you're not saving any fuel, you're not uh, creating any less maintenance because you still have an internal combustion engine you have to fix, right? And you're wasting more fuel because now you're carrying around two powertrains that you have to maintain. It's, it's just kind of silly. First of all, you said there's no maintenance on electric powertrain. And second of all, um, I think it's a great use case for a truck. I really do. For a car, I agree. I think it's silly to have two powertrains. But for a truck, drive on electricity in the city, drive long distance on gasoline or diesel, I think it's a fantastic idea. And the other thing, too, is if you want to power your house in a power outage, you're much better off in a lot of ways buying a power boost hybrid. Because then you're not, you're not tied to the, the battery dying. You can fill it up with gasoline if you need to off of a jerry can. And the power boost tire doesn't put quite as much electricity out as uh, the full EV, but it puts out a lot of electricity, 7.2 kilowatts. The problem is it doesn't store electricity. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't want it to store electricity yes, I, in a power I, I, outage. I, I, I want it to be able to power my house. In a power outage, I want, I want as much potential energy in the smallest but, amount but, of space what you're as saying, possible. What you're, what you're saying there then is instead of getting uh, a solar backup, 
for your house. Just get yourself a generator, and now we can go to the gas station, and when the power goes out, you can fill up the jerry can and then empty it into your gas generator and power your house. That's that's the argument you're making. And yeah. I'm, I'm like I'm like that's a silly argument. Then just do that. What I want to be is completely independent. I don't want to have to go and fill it up with gas. I want to have a, a storage unit that I can fill up myself for my house. If I had, if without I had, having have an oil company to actually you know drill it and refine it. If I had fifty grand, I'd be all about it. But I don't have fifty thousand dollars. Fifty grand. Tommy. It is that solar panels are expensive. Not, We've been not, quoted twenty five, thirty, forty grand on our 50, house. It's, it's not fifty grand. There there are incentives out there, and that's the other thing. That I don't get, you know, I'm not a big look. I believe in choice. I, I don't. I definitely don't want people to feel like they're being forced to go into electric. That's why I'm saying, go and test it, see if you like it. If you don't, fine. I, I would hate to see a situation where the government is forcing us to go uh, and do something that we don't want to do. Right? I really believe in the best technology should win. But if the government, on the other hand, is handing out checks for $7,500 for me to switch, then I'll be stupid if I don't try it out, right? If the government's giving out free money, if you're not taking it because of whatever reason, that's just silly. Well, that's a stupid. It's a, it's, and it's not that easy. This is where it really frustrates me, too. It's a $7,500 tax credit, but that's only if you make enough money for your tax liability to be $7,500. And this is, once again, where it's favoring folks on the higher end of the income bracket. I don't make enough money to get the full $7,500 tax credit. So it advantages someone who uh, has a higher income than I do to make to, to, to make that switch. So, so the conservative argument would be just make more money. Well, I can't. It's not. That, I mean, that's not that <laughs> that's easy. That's a very democratic. I've, I just put all my money into solar panels. How am I going to make more of it? Make you know? more money. Maybe figure, if I had to put that money out. into Figure it out. Take advantage of it. Uh, look, I, I yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, Tommy. I don't think this was a productive argument. I, uh. I really don't. So um. let us know in the comments below what, what, what you guys think. Look, like I said, at the end of the day, uh, try it. Before you, before you say no, give it a try. Borrow one. Go to Turo. I mean, you're saying, how do I borrow? They're, they're out there. You can go get them on Turo. You can get them from friends. You know, there are places where you can try electric cars. And certainly, if you're worried about, like, the cost of it, there's a lot of those California, which I hate, but they're out there. and They're very affordable. You said yourself the BMW i3 is a a really good uh, vehicle. You don't have to have an $81,000 Lightning. Uh, you know, you could get yourself a $15,000 i3. All right, well, let us know what you think. See you in the next one. Why are you so depressed? I just, that's just too much arguing. I just get tired of it. Okay, all right, see you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.